could you be could you be ready? Like, do you do you have the capacity would you, would to be? You, would you like fries with that? All right, I'm ready. Uh, uh, okay, are you ready? I'm gonna ask you one more time. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready like corn on the cob. All right, let's do this shit. What's up, guys? It's Louis Sabatero, Director Z. I'm here with my cousin Johnny. What up, man? Say hello. Hi, everybody. Well, today on the Cinema Podcast, as you know, we are just obsessed with horror movies. And today we're going to be talking about cosmic horror, or slash, I call it Lovecraft horror, because, now, I mean, people are still identifying with that name and phrase, but a lot of people still call it cosmic horror. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I- it's, it's like spacey type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's either it's either spacey type stuff or underwater type stuff. It has associated with Lovecraft. You know what I mean? Or just basically stuff we can't explain. Mm. Things that we haven't been able to, you know, the, uh, research on a personal level. You know? So. Yeah, like dimensions and the uh, the dead and like other things that we just we never understood. He's all uh, uh, yeah. Howard Phillips Lovecraft that just had a great. Um, fear of things that we didn't understand and knew that many men feared that shit, just feared the unknown. Mm-hmm. And he was also kind of racist. He was also, yes, exactly. What was that poem called that he made with the N-word in it, the one with the hard R? But, like, I forget it if it's a title. The creation of N-words. Ah, yes, 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 yes. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't even know that existed until we started reading that book. Mm-hmm. Great book by Matt Ruff, known as Lovecraft Country. If you haven't read it, get on that shit. We we kind of started a little book club with our own books, and Lovecraft Country was one of the first ones we did. Ready Player One, technically, but we kind of read it out of sync. So Lovecraft Country is technically the first one we consider our personal book book club. Excellent read, also excellent insight on Howard Phillips Lovecraft, as well as um, you know, just that fifties lore of what the African American. A person had to go through at the time it's more scary in that aspect than a lot of its other elements in the book as a as a literary piece yeah i agree i think that it, it's a really awesome concept too that the fact that it's using these two different forms of what i would say is horror like you know what i mean just because people can be pretty evil in an unexplainable kind of way in the same kind of way that H.P. Lovecraft's horror is kind of unexplainable. Exactly. I feel like there's just a lot in life that is very unexplainable and that Howard Phillips Lovecraft's work kind of makes people, I guess, kind of cope with it in a way. Like, in a way, it's a coping mechanism. But at the same t- at, at the same time, um, if you look deeply into the man's history and deeply into most of his stories... Like, for example, The Call of Cthulhu or even um, The Dunwich Horror, some of it could be very racially deprived of how he portrays the people in in his stories. True, but that could be said for most people of their times, too, you know? So I'm not going to hold too much against them considering dude was born in another time and whatever. I know, the people people also... The people that are also trying to condemn... <laughs> the people that were also trying to condemn John Wayne, even though the dude's dead already? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. But that's my thing. Like, all of these people, you know what I'm saying? You can't really get mad at them for lives that they lived because products of their times, man, you know? 
So that's my thing. We can we can choose to be mad about it, or we can appreciate it, in or just you know transmute it into something that we could use for our betterment. No, I agree one hundred percent. And even even then, even when people look into it, people still revere the man as someone who was just a titan in the literary world and someone who created stories that were able to expand uh different ideas and different uh different forms of media like different exactly like i just love the fact that it it, it spawned so many different movies like back in the day that you know i'm sorry just to, to 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 not to like uh derail us for a minute I, I just wanted to make the comparison the hp lovecraft is probably like the kanye west of his time you know? <laughs> whereas like it's pretty controversial you know but he, he made some bangers you know and you can't look past those yeah, bangers you, you know they're pretty you, revolutionary you, and they inspired a lot of people that were like our trademark in horror you know so we, we can't ignore it i would we just I never thought I'd hear the words Kanye West and H.P. Lovecraft in the same sentence, but in a way, I I see your I see your argument. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. That's all I mean, because you know they they both had some influential titles, you know, and influenced uh, a whole wave of hip hop and horror, respectively. You know. No, without I, Kanye, there's no Travis Scott. Without H.P. Lovecraft, no Stephen King, man. Mm, oh no, I get you, bro. No, 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 I get that. I mean, like as as much as you know how I feel about the guy, I know that he basically bred a whole generation of music and a whole generation of artists. He inspired, right. you know what I mean. So I totally get right. that. But like the comparison did, the comparison makes a lot of sense. Like the way you explained it and the analogy that you gave me, like it does make a lot of sense. And as you said about the Travis Scott comparison, I don't think without a lot of the stories that he writ- he wrote about like deep sea voyages or like um, expeditions in the Arctic, we wouldn't get movies like Event Horizon or Leviathan or Deep Star Six, you know what I mean? Got a lot of great like things that have just been inspired by his whole concept of like horror. We can talk about like Annihilation where nature and space and all of these weird things morph humanity and dna as we know it you know what i mean Uh, yeah i like to think i like i like to think jeff vandermeer is a big fan of howard phillips lovecraft you know very inspired from that absolutely and his weird use of descriptive nothingness you know what i mean it is really space or color out of space excuse me was like a color out of space you know they couldn't describe what this color looked like yeah and, and the best yeah there's a kind of looks like magenta it does it <laughs> kind of looks it looks like a it looks like a mix between like a shining pink and a magenta right and it's That's like what it well i've seen it before but at the same time it's very pretty <laughs> yeah. very beautiful to look at but it might melt your mind yeah, like you were saying about Annihilation, most of the shit that was in there also were, like, morphing into one another, like, DNA splicing and shit like that. Like, mm-hmm. you remember the faceless bear that fucking ate Gina Rodriguez? That shit was crazy. Oh, right. My favorite part about that bear was that she was speaking words. Dude, like, a, a, can you imagine that? Can you imagine a creature? You to hunt by screaming your best friend's voice out you're able thing. you're able to imitate the communication skills of whatever you eat like 
If I ate a duck, I was I would be able to call other ducks. Like, whoa! Oh my god, I know exactly what you're saying. That's, that's fucking kind of crazy, amazing. right? Isn't and that kind you of incredible? Just eat duck for a week. D that's what I'm saying, bro. Like, you have so much. You can eat the entire species just tricking them. Uh, Annihilation was great. Annihilation um, had so much Lovecraftian elements in it. Like, I agree 100% with that notion. But uh, have you seen Deep Star Six? Did I ever tell you about that movie? You told me shortly about it, but I don't think I've seen this movie yet. Um, if I'm not mistaken, with the decade, I'm going to say like somewhere in the 80s, this movie, Deep Star Six, very low budget, um, not a star-studded cast, but it was still about um, these deep-sea voyagers are trying to see how deep they can go, and it's like a, a an under an undersea like mining base or whatever. And then all of a sudden, they're using these um, scuba diving suits to try and dig deeper into the mine. But I guess, like, a series of earthquakes kind of throw them off. Like, what the hell happened? What, what, like, they said, uh, I guess we hit a chasm or something. And I was like, what the hell's, what the hell, a chasm? And I guess whatever they hit, whatever was in there is no longer there. And so all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, all of a sudden, like, one of the dudes is, like, coming out of the thing. And even I start getting this anxiety thing because the guy's, like, stuck, but you never see the Kree. Like, the the great part about this That's movie great. is that the creature is not in your face for so long that it, it becomes, like, a little bit like a Jaws effect. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, man. I think that's also just kind of uh, in line with, with Lovecrafty and horror. The best part of, like, the scariest thing about monsters is your imagination, you know, leading up into it. So if they can play off of that for as long as they can, I'm with it. The ter Yeah, that pure terror of just not knowing, of, like, just that pure unknown monster of whatever the hell it is, and it's coming after mm -hmm. you, and you're just like, ooh looking terrified you're just a human being you know fear but uh what i really like what i really appreciate about it is the practical effects as well that for the time that it came out a product of its time it still really holds well as a horror as like a really lovecrafting cosmic underwater horror so i did if you haven't seen deep star six this is me recommending it to you deep star six is a is a good saturday night or friday night kind of like horror b movie watch I, I, I really like it. Awesome. Where can we watch it? Um, okay, Deep Star 6, I would say, was on Amazon Prime, but I'm going to say you could either rent it on there, and I heard rumors it might nice. be on Tubi. Is it is it Tubi or Tubby? Both. I was like, I don't, I don't think they'd get away with... I don't think they'd get away with Tubby. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that might be... I mean, that's the person behind it's a little on that bigger side oh um uh speaking of 80s lovecraft what about uh leviathan did you see that one i don't it sounds familiar but again maybe just because of the 80s it, it might be not I'm, on like oh you know, uh, i'm just gonna tell you it's a little bit like event horizon but it also has that deep star six underwater base kind of idea Oh, right, right. Yeah. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Except, like, her Event Horizon had a little bit of, like, more of that Lovecraftian unknown dimension kind of thing, while Leviathan was mm -hmm. more, like, Leviathan was more in-your-face, like, creature and, like, body horror kind of thing, you know what I mean? That's fun. Do they go to space at all? Uh, no. It's it, it mostly takes place in a submarine underwater in an underwater base. 
But the creature okay, that... So, like, the underwater difference is different. Like, between Event Horizon being a space movie and then Deepwater 6 and Leviathan being underwater. Yes, that's why. That was like... he. It would fall in that underwater category, much like another movie we're going to talk about right now, Underwater. But cool thing about Leviathan is that whatever that this thing touches, which although also has tentacles, which also is a huge indicator of Lovecraftian, like, when it touches a human being, it either, its arm or whatever it touched either starts growing a mouth or a tentacle, and it's so insane, man. Like, for the time it came out, it's a really, it's still really good. It stands really well. You think Japanese people like their tentacles. H.P. Lovecraft loved his tentacles. Dude, anytime you see tentacles in a movie, you mostly associate it with Lovecraft or, you know, the Japanese, but, um, mostly in this movie, Leviathan, the tentacles are definitely Lovecraftian inspired and cosmic horror, so I would definitely recommend also Leviathan as a movie. Cool. Just, just a little to back up to we keep saying like Lovecrafty and cosmic and stuff just a little, just to give a you know a little note on that H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's novels kind of all are connected in a weird way where they are its own religion kind of in a way now it's its own mythos as they call it like a Cthulhu mythos oh Cthulhu. yeah you're talking you're talking about that cult of Cthulhu right Right, we gotta. I feel like that has to be talked about. No, you know, some of his novels there are there's a, like there's a couple of cults that worship specific. I think it. I think it's impossible. Gods. Yeah, I think it's impossible to talk to not talk about Lovecraft and then not talk about the cult following that he has. And when I say yeah, cult following, I don't mean like you know people like him a lot. Like it's a cult, like small little. No, no, no. I mean like we, actual he cults. Cults. That yes. may or may not exist. And <laughs> like he, he, he literally has cults that look at the symbols that he's written in books as like actual religious symbols. And oh, like it, it's a yeah, his idea of gods uh, are is a pretty dark version of gods, which is um we've heard of a book of the dead called the Necronomicon, which was created by H.P. Lovecraft. Indeed. Well, by Abin or Abin Abdul. It's easier. It's easier. It's easier when people. It's easier. It's easier when people call him the Mad Arab. Right. Let's just put it this way. L. Ron Hubbard is in space, and then H.P. Lovecraft is in space. I was like, is it? I was like, L. Ron Hubbard's already in space, but H.P. Lovecraft was in space shitting himself. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. But, I think more, more people see L. Ron Hubbard as like Space Jesus yeah, as opposed to... I see him more of a spa- the Space Demon I would, than H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah, I would say like, yeah, H.P. Lovecraft was definitely the Space Devil, <laughs> which uh, which is pretty cool yeah, in my opinion. Cool, he wasn't... And again, this is just all fiction. That's all they wrote is fiction. I don't want to step on any toes here. No, you're not, dude. Relax. It's a podcast, man. You can say what you want. That's what I'm saying. I'm just that's that's my one little word on that. But also, I wanted to throw out there uh, because we're digressing a tad. In the Cthulhu mythos, Cthulhu, Mm -hmm. Cthulhu is a big tentacle demon guy thing. Yes, indeed. He is an octopus-faced, winged monster. You've seen him in, in South Park. Yeah, if you, if, we're really using South Park as a reference point right now. If you see that episode, if you see that episode, the most popular form of 
their use of that character. It's probably honest. the most pop culture reference at this point. Exactly. But you know what? Another another pop cu- culture reference is uh, the movie Underwater because we got to see Cthulhu. Oh, yeah. We Underwater's got... great. I thought if it you was. Haven't seen Underwater. It, it probably swam past your radar. <laughs> oh Jesus! But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great, man. Yeah, Kristen Stewart. You know, from Twilight fame, basically yeah. putting on her best Ridley impression. Dude, she was she was trying to be Ridley so much. It's crazy. Like she did the <laughs> hair, she did the leadership qualities of not trying to be a leader. It's she crazy. She put on an exo suit. She did. She put on a fucking suit. It was crazy. And went face to face with something that she knew she was gonna get killed by, but probably still didn't. <laughs> yeah, the script wasn't the best, but at the same time, after a few more viewings, I still really enjoy this film. Yeah, and again, again, we can't talk about it without saying huge spoiler, because this is a little horror, you know, podcast that we're talking about Lovecraft, and not knowing anything about this movie, you wouldn't think it would be Lovecraftian, but our homeboy, Mr. Tentacle Boy, shows up in this in a big bad way. Hold on, take a pause. Sorry, sorry about that little interruption. But, um, yeah, dude, like, just from the trailers as well as watching the movie, like, sitting there in the first half, you wouldn't think it was Lovecraftian. Mm-hmm, and I think that's what they were trying to hide as well, like, because it is a big thing. Um, as far as I know, this is the very first time in a live-action film that we've seen Cthulhu, you know, I... like, in any way, shape, or form. No, I, I agree. I think this is the first live-action adaptation that we've had of Cthulhu. And then it's so crazy that we didn't even get that reveal until after after the movie where the director even had to, like, confirm it. You know what I mean? And, yeah, that's my thing. Considering that it's all open to, to interpretation because it's a lot of descriptive terms for things that don't really exist, that exist in your mind, that melt your mind. Uh-huh. The, the creature that is in underwater is awesome like yes it is it, the power just emanates the off of this scale, thing the scale of this creature exactly. dude like the real looking looking from the outside in looking at this creature like you're really gonna believe in Cthulhu like it's crazy this movie was great in theaters and I'm sad that we can't see it again in theaters I'm very sad that we cannot see it again in theaters because of how theaters are I agree but because the drive-in at Paramount is still there I might have to take my girlfriend there that's pretty cool yeah I heard that they're doing some events there and stuff too yeah man Alright, well, also, since we're talking about, like, the other side of uh, Lovecraftian, which is, you know, the underside of the Earth, which is the underwater, let's go to the other side that's in space! Sorry. Space! I was trying to do a little bit more Tim Curry, but it came out Dr. Nick from fucking The Simpsons. (laughs) So I'm gonna try to do it again. The only thing that hasn't been touched by capitalism. (laughs) Space! Oh, that was perfect. Oh, Tim Curry's I great. I want to watch Rocky Horror Pictures. Me too. Okay, so let's talk. Let's let's discuss Event Horizon. Oh, Event Horizon. We brought it up a little bit throughout the the, the cast, but well, we, Event Horizon's one of the classic space epics, space explorations, because in space 
you don't really know what you're getting into. So what if we go into like a wormhole and we end up in hell or something? That's you know? what it, exactly. It, it raises a very peculiar question about dimensional travel and what to expect okay. when you do that. And it's like Lovecraftian always answered, asked questions like that. Like, what if we just don't know like this other side or what if we don't know what happens when we cross over to this it could be hell it could be death it could be limbo it could be a lot of things and just because we're human beings that just that unpredictability is just so unstabling to us you know what i mean true and this also is a interesting like you want if you want to think about it in another way because sam neal's in it Dude, uh, Jurassic Neal. Park being dinosaurs, and then he's doing space. Like this is the two thousand year difference. I'm sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna say, dude. Honestly, I love Sam Neill in movies, man. He's great. Any, I, don't, I don't think we people give him enough recognition. Honestly, I 100% agree. There's also another movie about books called In the Mouth of Madness. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh yeah, and the Mouth of Madness by John Carpenter. That shit is really good, and Sam Neill knocks it out of the park. But I'm still that's a, another Lovecraftian movie too. It <laughs> is. It, 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 it that really one is. and its sequel in the Prince of Darkness or I, the Prince of Darkness. Excuse me. Oh, uh, I was kind of disappointed that Sam Neill wasn't involved in that one. You know what I mean? True. I know what you mean. But, but like, I'm kind of Lovecraftian. Yeah, I, I was really happy with Sam Neill signing up for two Lovecraftian movies on his resume. That's so fucking cool. That's true. And you know what? I'm sorry to like kind of derail us. No, no, no. We'll stay on the space in a minute. But I also want to get, because we were kind of delving shortly into Prince of Darkness, it brings up another kind of branch of Lovecraftian horror. Oh, yeah. Um, and this one is kind of like a cult classic as well. Herbert West's Reanimator. Oh, I feel like Re-animator. we have to talk That's about right. Reanimator if we're going to bring up H.P. Lovecraft. Because that is one of probably the best zombie movies of all time and i would say that H- through his own little twist on zombies you know being kind of scientific i think yeah i think reanimator was definitely hp lovecraft having fun with the whole undead concept exactly. that was his frankenstein you know it's it definitely was. worth watching if you've not seen it it's like a really gory fun apparently they're apparently they're working on a musical adaptation or they already did um, all over that I think yeah Reanimated the musical Is perfect Is it already out yeah. Or has is it come out know. yet I'm not even sure That's so crazy like, but... That's all they had to say No Reanimator's freaking great I would definitely recommend mm-hmm. Reanimator to anyone I'll Who hasn't seen yeah, it Reanimator's kind of like A precursor for like Evil Dead and stuff too Maybe I don't know Yeah if you're more into If you're not really into The tentacle stuff Or the underwater stuff Definitely check out Reanimator Maybe Maybe yeah. Maybe you all know All movies uh, circle around the Necronomicon and uh, fictional city of Arkham. Yes. Backplug. You know, not the not the Arkham <laughs> Asylum. Arkham, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. uh, anyway, back to yeah, 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 back to the spurs. Spurs. That was more like a Tim Curry having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> What I really appreciate also about Event Horizon is the fucking uh, the 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 scenery as well as the cinematography of the film. It is a gorgeous film, gorgeous especially film. for like first three fourths of it, and then the last quarter is the most nightmarish thing you've ever seen. I know, and dude. The fact that there's a director's here, cut. 
It's so crazy. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. That there's a director's cut that has, has so much more horrible footage, uh, scariness in it. Which is something that I really would pay a lot of money on eBay for just to have to myself because that sounds amazing. And exactly. Without spoiling too much, if I, there was two words to to sum up the the experience that is a theatrical version of Event Horizon, it would be blood orgy. Pretty much. Even just that visual scene of that dude ripping out his eyes and the old crew just threw everyone yeah. off and traumatized them. Imagine how much more footage there was of that scene. Oh my god, that movie is scary. That movie is fucking terrifying, but I love that. that I love looking at that fucking um, black hole generator thing. That oh, piece of cool. that piece of technology that was moving with the hoops and stuff, that shit was crazy. Yeah, why would you want to make black holes not knowing what black holes do? That's it's, stupid, but it, that's on them. It's really <laughs> stupid. It's really stupid they tried to harness the power of a black hole to make a wormhole, which is really stupid. Yeah, man. And they paid the price. That's cool, man. Yeah, man. But, uh, oh, back to what you were saying about cults. Uh, the Void. Yeah. Let's talk about The Void. Oh, I love The Void. The Void was a cool VR experience. It really oh, wait, was. Not that, not that Void, though. No. Void. <laughs> wrong Void. Wrong Void. No, 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 no. Uh, not the Star Wars no, ride. Not the Ghostbusters uh, shit we did. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Okay, the movie. <laughs> no, the movie with The Void. The, the triangle faces. Yeah, the dudes with the uh, Ku Klux Klan hoods that weren't pointy, so they had to put triangles yeah. on their faces. They were the Illuminati clan. Exactly. Dude, that shit was crazy, but, like, it, it really starts off where, like, you have no idea what to expect. Someone's just running out of a house, screaming, getting mm-hmm. shot at. You're just like, what's going on? And then a hospital, and, like... Right. Ugh, it's just such a and good they movie. they get stuck in the hospital. And they get stuck in the hospital with the same people that were running away. John Carpenter's a thing. It really does, because the cultist guys come, and then they're stuck in there, and then the people that are in there are turning into these tentacle monsters. If you guys like practical effects, you guys are gonna love this movie. If you guys are big fans of the thing and are looking for something similar to along those lines, but a little bit more supernatural, I'm definitely recommending The Void at this time. What's that one movie called? The, the with the black rainbow. The black rainbow. Yeah. You oh. Know what I'm talking about. Uh. I can't think of what it's called. I'm sorry, but the. The uh, black rainbow. The reason oh. I bring it up in the first place is because. Uh, no, maybe black rainbow is not even the word I'm thinking of. There's this one horror movie I'm thinking of. It's very colorful, but it's. The, the void reminds me of that sort of like Logan's Run esque, colorful film with really intricate backdrops and environments. But being uh, like a, a home invasion film, kind of with monster effects. In the, Wait a second! I think I know what film you're talking about. I just can't remember the name right now. Yeah, I, I know. It's kind of, it's another cult, cult classic. Hopefully you know, it'll come to us. Hopefully it'll come to it'll us. It'll come soon. to us later on. It, it, uh, it blamed the marijuana. 
Okay, so the, uh, so the void, so the void, when it comes to that cult and when it comes to everybody, uh, it's a pretty gruesome ending. It's such a, mm-hmm. such a good ride. I definitely recommend it. I don't want to spoil anything, but that ending was fucking awesome. But also, that that ending also just reminded me of two other kind of Lovecraftian movies that um, mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage is a big star oh. in. We, I know, what you, uh, you know what I'm about to talk about, man. Yeah, man, Nicolas Cage is, like, he, in his own way, feels like he's right out of an H.P. Lovecraft novel. Honestly, I believe, yes, honestly, his demeanor as well as his character as a person just feels like an H.P. Lovecraft character. But, uh, let's talk Um, about Mandy. Let's talk about Mandy. Wait, real quick, because we brought up Mandy, and it it just came around because the name of the film... That I was trying to remember earlier, Black Rainbow. We just forgot two words beyond the Black oh, Rainbow. Oh, that's right. Panos Costa, another Panos Costamos movie. Exactly, but the, the only reason it brings it up because it has like the same sort of visuals with the triangles leading into the unknown, you know. Oh yeah, and it's very, very science fiction horror. Very, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty exactly. cool. I do, I did enjoy right. Beyond the Black Rainbow, and I feel like it also some of the imagery can be related to Mandy, you know. Uh, yes, I feel like a lot of the imaging and a lot of the stuff that he did, Panos Cosamos did, in Beyond the Black Rainbow, he really took with him to uh, make Mandy and inspired him to uh, formulate this other idea that was that movie, Mandy. Is that the same person? Yes, same director. Who made both movies? Absolutely, and they're both did Panos. Did unintentionally combine, like, bring those two movies into it? I think you did, because I, I didn't even, Man. I don't even think you knew who directed Beyond the Black Rainbow. I didn't. Marijuana comes in again. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it the bee's knees. <laughs> Mandy was great. I also have to throw that out there. My, my father, you know, Johnny Sr., John he Caesar. doesn't watch many movies, you know. He likes uh, old, war-timey movies. But when this movie came out, Mandy, I felt the need to buy it because of its colorfulness, its strange qualities, and Nicolas Cage uh, acting his butt off in the weirdest, most a thousand percent Nicolas Cage films that we can <laughs> even come to. Nicolas Cage you know. was the most Nicolas Cage in this Nicolas Cage film. <laughs> Yeah, let's just say Nicolas Cage really found his uh, ride and his wave in the last few years in films. He, he really, he really found all out. He really found his inner it. cage. Exactly. He's 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 opened the cage. <laughs> <laughs> he's uncaged himself. Yes, he's uncaged. Nicholas uncaged. Nicholas uncaged the movie that we're gonna make. <laughs> If you've ever wanted to see him have a meltdown in the bathroom in his underwear, watch it. Oh, please watch Mandy. And then if you've ever wanted to see him fight demons with a with a personally forged axe and a crossbow, please watch this movie. Granted, yeah, Mandy's one of the most metal movies of all time. Yes, it is very much metal because there's a lot of blood. It's there's a so, lot of blood-soaked yeah. battles. And there's even a chainsaw fight, man. It's so good. The last 30 metal... 30 medals. 30 the last 30, 30 medals of the movie. 
The last 30 minutes really feel like it was straight out of an album cover. Oh, absolutely. Someone needs to take, like, the screenshots of Mandy and make them album covers, like, immediately. That movie's bad. It's Yes, and I don't even want to tell you what it's about. It's basically taken. I just told you what it's about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to say it. You know what? It's about the... Oh, shit, I said it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, but... No, it's cool, don't even worry about it, man. Let's move on to the next Nick Cage film, which is Color Out of Space. Nicholas Cage! Nicholas Cage! Color Out of Space, bringing it all around because Color Out of Space being an actual H.P. Lovecraft novel. It is, yes, exactly. Also, I wanted to discuss the great uh, Richard Stanley for always using his form of media and filmmaking skills to create (laughs) H.P. Lovecraft uh, adaptations. Yeah, I hear that this, uh, with this movie, he's gonna start his own little cinematic universe of H.P. Lovecraft novels, which I'm so excited for. I'm very excited for, because we get to see it on the big screen as well as well as it's mm-hmm. going to all be connected in one universe. Right, I can only hope we can get some Dunwich Horror next, so at least we can see the Cthulhu mythos on film, and so people can understand it. That don't want to read thousands of pages. Honestly, in order to I, I, I mean, I understand that, but Americans, I still feel, just needs to read more in general. Yeah, that's true. So, Color Out of Space is awesome. It's so great. It's about color of space, if you it's didn't guess. These fucking people and their meteorite in their backyard, they're like, oh man, that's crazy. And then they open it up and they're like, oh my god, it's a color that we've never seen before. And, then, and this color really fucks up their llamas and tomatoes. Yeah, but at first they're excited because everything <laughs> is growing and, you know, doing stuff at a rapid rate. And then they get, like, publicity for it, but it's like, you know the meteor Uh disappears and it looks all sketchy and then everything is kind of inevitable like all the tomatoes and all the corn and all the and then also the animals are uh, really um fucked up that's all i'm gonna say so Uh basically it's it's similar to annihilation in that way whereas this thing coming out of space messing up the biology of earth i wouldn't be surprised if color out of space did not exist neither would annihilation Annihilation out of space. How about that? Because it really does involve a meteorite just changing the biology of things around it. But still, Nicolas Cage's performance, as well as the performance of the family in the movie Color Out of Space, is just worth the watch. Everything was so well done. I highly recommend mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty good movie, man. Color um, out of space is the one thing I want to bring up really quick. What's that up, movie man? had a lot of uh, really colorfulness to it, mm-hmm. um, and it it brings up this uh, other movie, the Shutter original, The Beach House. Oh yes, that's another Lovecraftian cosmic horror we need to talk about. Going back to the sea. Yeah. It's pretty colorful, you know what I'm saying? The beach house is worth talking about because it plays as just like these two dudes, or not two dudes. Oh. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not a Brokeback Mountain on the beach, no. I mean, it could be, but like, it could have no, been. That's not what we're. That's not what you're paying for this time around. Mm-hmm. That's not what you're seeing. No. This movie's more so kind of like uh, it's like a little getaway that turns post-apocalyptic in more ways than one. Oh yes, basically these two horny-ass teenagers are trying to get it on right. alone in their beach house that they thought it was a vacation, but it turns out there are some fucking people there. 
Right. And these two people seem okay at first, but with a little bit of weed in them. And, a, and it seems like, again, a post-apocalyptic event. They, they may not uh, know what's really going on with these people or the world as they know it, you know? Absolutely. And that's, that's a, a, a good film, especially because one thing about H.P. Lovecraft novels, it really, or not even just his novels, his mythos and his whole conceptual ideas, it, he does a really good job of making you as a human feel super small, super duper tiny. He does. He makes you feel insignificant in this large world of so right. many creatures and so many things. With all these old gods coming from space or living in our oceans and stuff and There's beckoning even a... to people to walk into them. And I also, just real quick, I needed to make... <laughs> I was trying to find a way to make this connection the whole show. Um, the reason I'm bringing up... Bringing, making us feel so small... Uh-huh. Makes us feel like, honey, I shrunk the kids. Did you know, Lewis? What? The guy who wrote Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the movie, uh-huh. also wrote the screenplay for Reanimator. No freaking way. Dude. <laughs> the Damn. two pretty different bonkers those films. Are, yeah, just... those are two big hits already under his yeah, belt. Man, That's pretty crazy. Stuart Gordon, he wrote so many things. You can find uh, that that guy's done a lot for uh, Gordon. Wow. you know hollywood i had to, I had to th- you know just throw his name out there just because dude wrote so much that i i like you know what i mean so, no absolutely it's definitely worth the mention i appreciate that but also yeah the <laughs> what really what was really drawing about the beach house to me was that those last 30 minutes of the film were just holy shit yeah, it's kind of unexplainable. And I love the way the movie ends when it just seems like mm-hmm. who knows what's going on with Homegirl. She's passing out in her car, and then she thinks of the beach, wakes up on the beach, and gets washed away by the waves. And I know that's a huge spoiler, but... Uh, who cares? It it's still kind of an anything. ambiguous kind of ending. Right. You're still sitting I mean. there like, huh? It, it explains nothing, but it's beautiful, and it's ending it's world ending it's not even so much world ending it's more like reality changing I and agree. she accepting it 100%. and that's a that's a that's a beautiful sentiment alright we're reaching a little bit of the final era here but uh, I wanted to do something wanted to do something really cool before we end this segment and uh, I already told Johnny about this we did a little bit of a dream casting for a Lovecraftian movie and an ad- adaptation so let's do this shit. Johnny, let's uh, talk about your idea first. I, I have thought long and hard of which idea I would make it a Lovecraftian sort of aspect. But I feel like if I was going to make anything, I've, at this point, even though there's hundreds of thousands of, maybe not hundreds of thousands, but hundreds of works that H.P. Lovecraft has made, I would like to actually make something original, probably, you know, mm. just inspired by most of his works. Okay. Um, I, I would keep it grounded um, in a way. I, I, I don't want to go into space, don't want to really uh, go into the oceans, but I want to go into, like, just the unknown of, like, the, just the earth that we live in, you know, kind of in a way in the mountains of madness centric without you know 
directly ripping off the story. Um, because, you know, Guillermo del Toro's been wanting to make that movie for a long time. I, I, I just I just see envisioning Guillermo del Toro directing and leading an H.P. Lovecraft film in one way or another because of how his monsters and his films seem unexplainable you know like we've seen the pale man in pan's labyrinth and and or all of the things in hellboy and the fairies and stuff and they're beautiful so i feel like his mindset going into that movie would be great you know what i mean especially just if he's like there for a producer you know just his insight is is uh essential that's the word I'm looking for and then I, I really just don't know what plot I want to get into considering most of the ideas center around like who people finding things that they can't explain and trying to you know use their curiosity their their normal human curiosity to dig deeper into something that they don't know and that ending up just being way too much for their small minds to comprehend and i have no idea what that is yet because you told me right before we started recording but <laughs> uh, i do know colette is in this movie you know because she's amazing and has a if you've not seen this new trailer she's in for this film coming out on netflix called i'm thinking of ending things she has just this really good way of bringing like a really uncomfortable feeling to a scene you know what i mean like her laughs in the trailer feel dead and empty you know what i mean or even in her character role in knives out like when and we see in the trailer where she says uh like can i can we ask when we're leaving and they're like not right now like we can't leave or no we can't ask and she just you know has a really good way of making you feel like questionable you know what i mean she's a really great actor who does Get, or actress, excuse me, who doesn't get a lot of um, recognition and I need her to be in more things. Mm-hmm. And then Nicolas Cage should belong in every H.P. Lovecraft movie for, <laughs> that exists from here until the end of time, I believe. Um, we should make being John Malkovich but me being Nicolas Cage where he <laughs> plays everybody in the movie. Being Nicolas Cage. I would I would be Nicolas Cage for a day. That's all. Dude, that would be fucking hard. I really like your idea of making yeah. your own original Mountain of Madness, but also the way you gushed about. I like the way you gushed about Guillermo del Toro's Mountain of Madness. That's really cool. Yeah, you know that's his thing. Cause like I didn't want I don't want to like dude. I, that's his one project that he's been. I guess that's his love story that he's been wanting to make, or not even a love story, love project. I can't think of the word format that i'm trying to deliver for this you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah i know what you said. yeah words are hard but yeah dude's been working on freaking at the mountain of madness for too long and i don't think he'll ever see that movie be made so no. at least a version of that um the thing is like none of hp lovecraft's works have really been adapted not too many of them mm-hmm. so everything's really up for grabs so everything inspired by all of those works would be nice i really want to do my own original thing but i would either go to ocean or space i would rather go to space though my space is cool man my original would probably i would really either i would direct it or one of my favorite directors dennis villeneuve would uh fucking direct it 
Yeah, no, I was thinking that because he's doing Dune and, and he's stuff. He's doing right now, Dune, there's... man. And also, he yeah, did he... fucking Sicario, which is one of my favorite fucking movies. He does a good job of dealing with epics as well as just grounded. He knows how to build, he knows how to build like great suspense and tension, like just a quiet intensity that he has. Like in Sicario, when Emily Blunt's just mm-hmm. sitting in that fucking SWAT car and like. You just see the intensity of how fast the, mo- the truck is going, and they're about to hit a wall, right. and you're just like, what the hell? <laughs> and and since we're on the topic of Sicario, um, I read a like article the other day that claimed from the creators that there was a deleted scene, or deleted opening scene with Benicio Del Toro's character, have you mm. heard? No. That they cut where it was a, the introduction to him where he's basically torturing some guy for information uh-huh. about the, the you know the, the cartels and whatever yeah. that he's looking for yeah and he ends up killing the guy during the torture so he does cpr to bring the dude back to life mm-hmm. and he does bring him back to life it just continues the interrogation like nothing happened jesus christ and i'm like that sounds like the most badass introduction to his character, but I understand why they didn't cut it. Or why they did cut it, excuse me. Yeah, I was Granted, like, they did Sicario's cut it. opening scene is very intense. It is. I really appreciate Dennis Villeneuve's fucking... Just any filmmaking tactic that he does is very, very well thought out and very well done. Blade Runner 2049, one of my favorite sequels of any intellectual property. I didn't even, I don't think anyone expected that sequel to be that good, you know what I mean? That's why I'm excited for his Dune, you know what I mean? He seems like he can take projects that he has no right touching and making them great, so. (laughs) Alejandro Jorodowski is one of my favorite directors of all time, don't at me. Um, I mean, he's still yeah, great. His, you can't you yeah, can't his, recognize film without recognizing him. You know what I mean? His his legendary failure of adapting Dune um, still stands um, in history. So I I understand why a lot and of he, people are standoffish for Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, Jodorowsky still him, stands. Jodorowsky still stands by his quote that Dune is unfilmable. Filmable. Yeah, he he does not have any faith in Villeneuve. He's like, it's not gonna uh, happen because the way the book is, it needs to be like, it needs to capture all the senses, and it's like, right, uh, okay. I mean, I guess, but it's a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, granted, his version of the film was fourteen hours long. Yeah, I was gonna say, bro, like, uh, you you have your vision and they have their vision, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, we'll never see Jodorowsky's dude. We'll never see Jodorowsky's dude. Yo, but looking at the way the world is now in our own H.P. Lovecraft novel, we may not see Villeneuve's version if we don't get movie theaters open, so wear a mask, everybody. Yeah, everybody, this is an announcement from both of us, from me and Johnny, saying please mer- wear mer- please wear a mask out there for everyone's wear sake as well wear. as your sake. Wear a mask, please. Come on, just wear a mask. Hey, wear a mask. But please, it's for the health of everyone, it's for the future, for, for a better future, and it's so we can go back to movie theaters and concerts and stuff like that. So right. please. And if superheroes wear masks, so can you. 
Thank you. Thank be you so much. Just be superheroes. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. And so anyway, we're just going <laughs> to sign off right here. Thank you for joining me, cousin. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. Always. I'm, uh, thank you for having me on the, the cinema. Are we, is that what we're on? Yes, right this now? is the cinema one. Cool. Thanks. Didn't <laughs> fail. <laughs> <laughs> All thanks right. for having me. Hope to be on more. Have a great one. All right, yeah, everybody have a great day, and uh, we'll see you on the next cinema. Later.